Canto 5, chapter 14, text 24. Stealing or cheating another person out of his money, the conditioned soul somehow or other keeps it in his possession and escapes punishment. Then another man named Devadatta cheats him <clears throat> and takes the money away. Similarly, another man named Vishnumitra steals the money from Devadatta and takes it away. In any case, the money does not stay in one place. It passes from one hand to another. Ultimately, no one can enjoy the money and it remains the property of the Supreme Personality of God. <clears throat> Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Riches come from Lakshmi, the goddess of fortune, and the goddess of fortune is the property of Narayan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The goddess of fortune cannot stay anywhere but by the side of Narayan. Therefore, another of her names is Chanchala, restless. She cannot be peaceful unless she is in the company of her husband Narayan. For example, Lakshmi was carried away by the materialistic Ravana. Ravana kidnapped Sita, <clears throat> the goddess of fortune belonging to Lord Rama. As a result, Ravana's entire family, opulence and kingdom were smashed. And Sita, the goddess of fortune, was recovered from his clutches and reunited with Lord Rama. Thus all property Riches and wealth belong to Krishna, as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 5, verse 29. Bhokdaram Jagyatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshwaram. Thank you. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is the true beneficiary of all sacrifices and austerities, and he is the supreme proprietor of all the planetary systems. Foolish materialistic people collect money and steal from other thieves, but they cannot keep it. In any case, it must be spent. Therefore, the best way to possess Lakshmi is to keep her by the side of Narayana. <clears throat> this is the point of the Krishna consciousness movement. We worship Lakshmi, Radharani, <clears throat> along with Narayana, Krishna. We collect money from various sources, but that money does not belong to anyone but Radha and Krishna, Lakshmi Narayana. If money is utilized in the service of Lakshmi Narayana, the devotee automatically lives in an opulent way. However, if one wants to enjoy Lakshmi the way Ravana did, he will be vanquished by the laws of nature, and whatever few possessions he has will be taken away. Finally, death will take everything away, and death is the representative of Krishna. <clears throat> so, I know you've been studying this chapter, uh, and you've had other speakers analyze verses previous to this one, and uh, from what I understand, the, the way that... Um, a particularly difficult this is not you know the bowers of Vrindavan section of Bhagavatam <laughs> this is this is a little bit more hard-hitting and um, ways to filter this if you will one way to understand it would be to say well this is only a small portion of the Vedic vision with the Vedic perspective the Krishna consciousness perspective is not all doom and gloom 
this particular section of Bhagavatam is dealing with some very difficult issues. Another way to understand something quite so hard-hitting in the Bhagavatam is to say that it is meant to jolt us out of our lethargy. The sleeping soul is conditioned to habits, a way of being in the world that uh, gradually we fall asleep. We fall into patterns of behavior and unless something comes along to jolt us out of that lethargy, there's every chance that we will fall deeper and deeper into conditioned life. The argument could be made, and not to get too deep into politics just now, but the argument could be made that a big part of America voted for Donald Trump not because they necessarily wanted him in office always, but because they felt the country needed a jolt as well. You know what? Uh, uh, there's a devotee doctor named Samak Rishi, a friend of mine, who uh, described for me once that uh, when you set an arm, if someone has a broken arm, you know how you, you know how you fix a broken arm? You break it again. You actually break it again so that the bone's set properly. Or if someone has a heart attack, um, a doctor will often inject poison into the heart to jolt it back into its proper rhythm. Well, it may be that a lot of people were seeing the, the country in a state where it needed to be jolted out of its lethargy. And this was their way of doing that. They may re- be regretting it currently, but that's a different thing. The point being that sometimes we need to be shaken out of our stupor. We get into a lethargic condition, especially at 6.30 in the morning when you're trying to change your rounds. Something's needed to jolt us out of that sleeping condition. Um, Prabhupada was in uh, Bombay at a Pandal festival and um, there was a young man in the front row who uh, was challenging Srila Prabhupada and um, at first Prabhupada was being very patient with him very tolerant of his uh, rather strident remarks and and, uh, kind of egotistical criticisms of what Srila Prabhupada was saying and then finally reached a point where Prabhupada spoke very strongly and said I am not your servant that I have to answer your questions sit down now this was in India right where a sadhu is supposed to you know just twirl flowers and bat his eyelashes and and, you know shanti man shanti shanti so afterwards Backstage, if you will, and some devotees were sitting with Srila Prabhupada, and some Indian guests came, and they were challenging him. They're saying, "Why, you know, why are you displaying anger? That's not, you know, spiritual." Prabhupada yeah. said, "What are you talking about? <laughs> the whole of Bhagavad Gita was spoken just to get Arjuna angry when he wasn't angry." <laughs> 
The spiritual master's job is not to placate people. It's to shake them out of their stupor. We're sleeping in this world. And sometimes strong language is needed. So the Bhagavatam does that. In verses like this, there's a rather stark description of <laughs> what life is like in the material world. This one steals money from that one. By the way, I, I tried to find who are these David Datta and Vishnu Mitra who are stealing money from, from each other here? You, do you know? Uh, those are like common names, like the, right. we say like common Joe. Jones, Jones and Smith. Yeah, right. so for, whenever you talk about like, like yeah, yeah, you know, Joe, so-and-so, mm-hmm. so right. Joe, you know, you say sure. David Datta, you say right. so John Doe said this, and yeah. so, okay, so it, it's a little bit like that. This one steals from that one, that one steals from the other one. And um, the point being that ultimately we can't hold on to anything. You know, that nothing really belongs to us. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada emphasizes that, that Lakshmi, another word for wealth, is chanchala, which means flickering. Uh, Sometimes you have wealth, sometimes you don't. And no matter how strategic you may be in your investments, uh, a 2008 rolls around or a 911 rolls around and there goes all your money. So there are other forces at work here. But if, you, if we were just to isolate this passage and read this, and if this were representing Krishna consciousness, I think a lot of people would just run in the other direction because they wouldn't see the value in this. They'd say it's too simplistic. It's, this is religious dogma. I think to someone who doesn't really have an appreciation for the background, they would say, I, I'm, I, I appreciate that you people are trying to do good, but I'm not into religion. Right? It, it, your, your ideas here are too simple. Well, <clears throat> simple is actually quite elegant. Simple is quite beautiful. There's a difference between simple and simplistic. The Bhagavatam, in some instances, may be simple, but it is far from simplistic. Right? What's what's an example of something simple? Give me give me an give me an example of something something simple. Anything at all? Huh? Chanakya, the Maha Mantra, seems very simple, but there's this brilliant, magnificent, profound, and voluminous philosophy behind the chanting of the Mahamantra, right? What's another example of something simple? Einstein's covariant equations. Hmm? E, e, e equals mc squared, or something simple like that? Uh, well, it's um, g equals a pi t. Okay. You have a simple formula. <laughs> you have an Einsteinian formula. What did you call them? His what form? Einstein's covariant equations. The covariant equations. Right, just a few letters and a couple of numbers, right? But behind that simple code lies this vast background of math and research. Right? What else is simple in the world? Like this purport says, no one gets to enjoy to his heart's content. It seems like a simple idea. No one, mm-hmm. no one gets to right. No one gets to enjoy. So either, either we're going to judge this superficially and say, well, that's, that's too simple. 
Or were we going to go deeper inside it? I mean, there were people who came to see Srila Prabhupada in Paris, 70, I'm tempted to say 75, I don't recall exactly, <clears throat> from the um, Theosophist Society. Now, the Theosophists are um, a, a community of seekers who uh, hold that uh, uh, Jesus had another dimension of teachings, mystic teachings that he did not reveal to everyone. And their interest is in that deeper dimension. So they had come to see Srila Prabhupada to ask him to reveal to them the deepest mysteries of Krishna consciousness. So they sat down and I was translating for, for them. They were speaking French. And um, so they said, uh, so we're very, thank you very much for receiving us and we're happy to be here today. And, and um, can you tell us please, what are the deep truths of your religion. And Prabhupada said, Oh, the deep truths. Yes, well, <clears throat> uh, no illicit sex, no meat eating, uh, no gambling, no intoxicant. They said, Yes, all right, well, that, that's very nice. Thank you for that. But what are the profound, highest wisdom teachings that you have brought to the West? Oh, the highest teachings. <clears throat> well, there's no meat eating. Oh. No illicit sex, no gambling. And they were saying, but this is all on the body. This isn't, this isn't deep mystical truths. This is all on the body. We, what does it matter if somebody eats meat? That's, that's just on the body level. And Prabhupada looked at them and said, you, you accept that Jesus is your savior? Yes. And do you know in the Bible where it says, Thou shalt not kill? Yes. And that killing is a sin? Yes. And do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes. And then Prabhupada did something very surprising. He slammed his hand on the table. And he said, Then why do you continue to sin? You are not Christians. And he started crying. And I'm sitting here thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> what, what, what is he, why is he crying? I mean, I can understand him being angry at these, you know, spiritual window shoppers. But why is he crying? It took me a long time to realize that he, here is someone who knows a little bit about what it means to give your life for God. And how tragic when other people preempt the teachings, misinterpret those teachings for their own purposes. Right? So he was feeling that on a very personal level. So <laughs> it may seem simple, just the regulative principles, but if you don't understand the basics, there's no question of going deeper. There's no question of going to those higher or more mystic dimensions of of our culture we have to understand the basics so it's very important to understand the nature of the material energy right it seems simple stealing or cheating a person out of his money the condition to the whole somehow or other keeps it in his possession and escapes punishment well we've seen we're seeing that all the time aren't we people <laughs> you kind of wonder what kind of a world is this where the bad guys win. You know, 
What kind of a world is that? Hmm? The material world, sure. But what this verse is saying is, go deeper. Don't stay on the surface. Go deeper. And the deeper dimension says, they don't win. They don't win. Don't see things just in terms of the moment. See things from the Krishna conscious long-term perspective. What seems like a win right now could actually just be the introduction to the greatest tragedy of your life. It's a, it's a strange thing about advancement in Krishna consciousness is that it often masquerades as material failure. And <clears throat> material failure often masquerades as success. You look at devotees and they may seem impoverished, they may seem whatever. But that's their credit. <laughs> is that they've embraced a simple life. They've embraced a life of austerity in order to progress spiritually and to be of greatest benefit to others. So if we've learned anything from the Bhagavad Gita, this is lesson 101 of Bhagavad Gita, don't judge by appearances. Hold the whole second chapter of Bhagavad Gita. You might say, well, it's about how the soul is not the body. Yeah, what does that mean? That means don't judge by appearances. <laughs> don't look at what your <clears throat> material senses can perceive and believe that you've understood the truth of what you're witnessing. There's so much more to it than what our senses perceive. What else is simple? Um, the opening notes of John Coltrane's A Love Supreme is simple. Anybody a, f a fan of Coltrane the way I am? Doom, 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 doom. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> Very simple. That Love Supreme, by the way, is part of an album <clears throat> composed and performed by Coltrane as a thank you to the yoga culture of India for saving him from a life of drug addiction. So he's actually playing for Krishna. <laughs> so simple is not the same as simplistic. You have to go deeper. Atheism is simple. I don't see any God. I don't believe in Him. Seems pretty simple. But what's really going on there? You know, if as Vaishnavas we're compassionate toward people who may not have an appreciation for that conscious dimension that if you, you want to call the conscious background architecture to the universe, then we have a responsibility to go deeper and not to condemn someone for what may seem like a simple dismissal of God. What's really going on there? Well, scratch an atheist and what you usually find is someone who's had a very sad experience of religion. Someone who has been hurt by false representatives of religion or who sees religion as the cause of evil because so many wars have been fought in the name of religion. You 
So go, don't judge people. Go, go beneath the surface. Don't stay with a simple vision of what motivates people to do what they do. Any questions? Yes, please tell me your name, where you come from, how old you are, where your parents are living, and what your aspirations are five years from now. <laughs> I ask the questions. <laughs> My name is Harish Das. I come from Chicago. Um, my aspirations are to become uh, a good writer and, and also become good at presenting Krishna consciousness. But also improve my own practice of meditation, especially meditation. And what was the last question? Five years. Where your parents are, and what do you want to be in five years? My parents are in India, and I think I already answered the five year part, right? Well, you're a writer, yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, um, May Krishna bless you to become a great writer. You definitely chose me before I asked my question. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared to hear. <laughs> so, uh, my question for you is thank you for this wonderful lecture, really. And uh, I think this purporting also when you were speaking about brings up a very interesting point for, for us as practitioners. We sometimes have this fear of money. You were also saying that, that sometimes the devotee's success um, comes out as material failure. And, and many times I've seen devotees kind of have this fear of, of engaging with the material world. And, it, and it's true, it's well-founded, you know, because sometimes when you do go out and, and, and try to make something in this world, then you might lose your, your spirituality. And I've always wondered what is the balanced or healthy approach to this because we see in our tradition, we see someone like Mark Yudhishthir, he was the emperor of the world, mm-hmm. and he was a pure devotee. You know, Prabhupada was always engaging with the material world, mm-hmm. but at the same time making the very high level of Krishna consciousness. And I've often seen two extremes. I see devotees are like, nope, the material world is a horrible place, just focus on just complete devotional service. And for some, that's just not enough. It feels mm-hmm. psychologically stifled. And then I see the other extreme where it's like, yeah, you know, we got to just go out into the world and, and present ourselves, but then they kind of lose their, their Krishna consciousness. Right. You, because you're, right. you're, you're tapping in one of, for, for me, is one of the most critical questions in our entire society. How do you balance the material and the spiritual? How do you balance that inner call to progress in our Krishna conscious life with the realities of the world that we live in? You want to call them the higher self and the lower self, or the inner and the outer, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. And um, I've been there, so I can answer your question from my own experience. You know, I lived many years in temples, and then came out, and so I've known, you know, what what this chapter is, is talking about. That <clears throat> you go into the material world, you know, without the benefit of living in a devoted community and just be prepared for the worst it's really hard it is really hard it is also for some the single best way to make rapid spiritual progress there's nothing like jumping off the deep end of the pool for learning how to swim but be very careful be very careful we need deep water swimmers you know, it, it's nice to stay in the shallow water because it's safe there. But if we're ever going to push Srila Prabhupada's movement to where it needs to go, we've got to be prepared to take some chances. 
I've been traveling around because I wrote this biography called Swami in a Strange Land. So I've seen maybe 25 temples in the past year and a half or so. I've seen things working. I've seen things not working. Where things work the best, there is a collaboration of minds and hearts where people sit down together and they say, you know, I think I want to start a business. What do you think? The single greatest resource that Prabhupada bequeathed to us is us. The company of devotees. It is more valuable than gold. And yet we take so little advantage of it. Or we very often box it into a particular category. You know, we're we're associating if we're talking about the Bhagavad Gita. You know, the rest of it is not so. Right. right. No, that's the that's the that's where the cool stuff happens, right there. Where, where you sit down together and say, okay, now how do we grow? How do we m- move this out into the world? I have some facility for doing this. I've got a background in graphic design. I have some experience in computer programming. I know something about marketing and management. This is, you know, why should the community not get together and support you in opening a business? Even finance you, stake you, give you some money to start up. Why not create a think tank where you tap into the resources that Krishna has given this community to grow the community? It takes a little imagination, but there is nothing unspiritual about business. Nothing. There is nothing unspiritual about making money. There may be people who aren't prepared for it and therefore they fall prey to the the allurement of what you know money can buy so you have to be cautious but there's good business adheres word for word to the highest principles of krishna consciousness optimizing use of resources Establishing righteous goals and objectives for a project. Engaging best talent to their best purposes. Acknowledging that business has a responsibility to the community around it. So you give back. These are spiritual principles. And the best, most progressive businesses follow them. All that we've got to do is make the connection for people. Hey, you're talking Krishna consciousness. And watch what happens. Watch what happens if we do that. If we step outside of our comfort zone and learn that language. That's why earlier I talked about learning the language. Finance has its own language. Business has its own language. Learn that language and bring Krishna consciousness into whatever your particular area of influence may be. That's the future of our society. That's the future of our movement. Yes. Your name, rank, and serial number. Uh, my name is Mahal Sahadas. I don't know what rank and serial number means, so I'm just going to go ahead with my question. 
place. And that um, and the future of a movement is in farm communities, like the Taliban, 50% of this movement, because the mission was to develop farm communities, and they only live on the communities in the farm. And like that, we live off the land. Right? Certainly farm communities were important, but I think you're confusing Varnashram Dharma with farm communities. They're not synonymous. The first part of Varnashram Dharma would be living off the land, right? So Prabhupada said, I mean, that's where Prabhupada wanted for a movement not to live in the material society and just like associate with people. Let, let us say independent of the material society. That may mean remaining in the material society and using it to best advantage. You don't have to move out to farm. Prabhupada was not particularly favorable of everybody moving out to farm communities. No, that, that's a mistaken impression. Sure, I mean, people who preach stay in the cities and people who want to live, live a peaceful family life stay in the farm. Sure, it's great. It's beautiful. I, I used to live on the farm, uh, uh, the New Mayapur farm in France. So nice. Oh, God, it was wonderful. Wake up, you're surrounded by fields of flowers and, you know, the cow program and fresh air. Oh, my God, shoot me and kill me now. <laughs> it, it just was not my nature. I, I'm a city boy. You know, I'm a New York rat. I grew up here, you know. So my nature, my Varnashram Dharma is here in the thick of it. I'd be miserable on a farm community and so would a lot of other people so yes farms are an option but not for everybody you can't, you can't globalize it you can't universalize Krishna consciousness as though it's one size fits all your job and my job and all, all of us is to go deeper inside our own nature understand ourselves well enough to know where can I make my greatest contribution to my spiritual master's movement? That's a deep, deep meditation. There's no simple formula for that. Again, the difference between simple and simplistic, right? I don't know. This is my, I can't point to chapter and verse on this, but my conviction is I don't think that we can make substantial spiritual progress unless we go deep inside our own psyches unless we go deeper inside an understanding of who we are, how we, why we behave the way we do, what are my limitations, why, meaning what are the things that I should be cautious about. You know, if I have a tendency toward this material inclination or whatever, then I just need to be cautious about that. You don't turn a blind eye to your own nature. That's that. That's dangerous. Uh, for 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 my money, excuse me. That's an awful phrase. For my conviction is, Bhagavad Gita is a parallel course in human psychology. And when we talk about the gunas and our karmic background, and so what we're talking about is the psychological an emotional disposition of an individual. And in the Vedic culture, it, the spiritual master, you know, the disciples lived with the guru. So the guru understood the mind and heart of a disciple well enough to say, you know, I think you might want to consider this as a career path for yourself. 
because the spiritual master understood you better than you know yourself. Unfortunately, or not unfortunately, it's a different kind of challenge. We're, we're not always able to have the association of our spiritual master because it's Kali Yuga and we have an emergency job to do here and the great devotees are traveling and they're constantly doing so much service which means that we have to take even more seriously the responsibility for knowing ourselves. But look what we have. We have this wonderful community of devotees. Bring these questions, farm community or something else, money or not, bring these questions to the community. We used to do this in the old days. Here he goes, Yogi Swar. In the old days... We used to have what was called Ishtagosti. Every week we'd get together. And Ishtagosti was not just about some, another verse from script. We were talking about some you know, real nitty-gritty stuff about you know, the challenges that we meet. You know, there was a real camaraderie back then. I miss it. I miss it terribly. I miss my old buddies. I miss Tamal Krishna. I miss Bhakti Tirtha Swami. I miss... You know, these are the people I grew up with in Krishna consciousness. I miss Jamuna. You know. And we used to have the greatest conversations, the most wonderful, juicy talks, you know, real heart-to-heart stuff. Yeah. Very important. Very important. You should be able to say, my best friends in Krishna consciousness are Prabhu, 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 and Prabhu. And if you can't do that, well, that deserves some attention. You need friends. You need to have friends. Need to have a friend, someone you can really open your heart to. That's so important in Krishna consciousness. So thank you for a very good question. I've got time for ten more. Oh, you're going to be a good writer. To that behavior on the part of other devotees? No, just in my own self. I can also be very extreme sometimes in my opinions and my, my, my judgments. So uh-huh. how do I find the balanced path to the balanced spiritual practice? How do I find the middle path? That's my question. We're very complicated creatures, we human beings. We've been in this world a long, long time. You know, never underestimate how deep our material conditioning goes. It's really rooted very deep in our behavior, in our psychology, or sometimes our pathology. Um, 
So as a general rule, just be, you know, take a deep breath. <laughs> Before you react to something, chant around on your beads. Give yourself... There, there was someone I knew, was such a wonderful guy, he passed away some years ago at age 89 or something. He, um, <clears throat> he had founded a communications firm here in New York. He, previously, he had been undersecretary of commerce and the Kennedy administration. Really brilliant man. When he would go to uh, a client meeting, <laughs> his name was Bill Reuter. Uh, sometimes the client would ask him a question and Bill would respond like this. He'd just be staring off into space and something would go, hello, you know, are you still here? You know, what's going on? What was happening was that Bill was allowing the question to filter through many different layers of reflection and thought and experience and his own inner wisdom so that when he did speak, it wasn't some knee-jerk superficial answer. He answered a question that was three generations past the words of the question. And that's why he was able to build his company into the largest public relations firm in New York City. Because people acknowledged that this man, he meditates, he reflects. I'm getting value from this person. I'm not just getting some formulaic response. Take, take time. You know, if, if your life is worth living, it's worth living thoughtfully. So when you encounter these moments, step back. And you, rec- you don't need somebody to tell you. you. You feel that little tingling in your fingertips when you know, oh, I'm in one of those moments. Right? When you might be precipitous. Okay. Then allow that impulse from super soul to be an opportunity to step back and think more maturely. You are all brilliant people. You're not just smart people. You're brilliant people. Why is that? Well, first of all, because you're here in this temple. But secondly, because it is the nature of the soul to be brilliant we have an, an intuition, an inner knowledge, which is immortal. <laughs> the nature of the soul is sat chidananda. You know, we're eternal, we're indestructible, we are full of knowledge, self-awareness, and we're blissful by nature. You know, we just don't allow ourselves to live like that. You know, because all of this psychic interference stands in the way. So just step back away long enough to think how can I be of greatest service to Krishna in this moment what is my greatest opportunity here to be of service I think that's it right 8 o'clock alright thank you very much glories to Srila Prabhupada
Ich habe die Karte schon